This is Father Kevin Hale with the homily for the third Sunday in Ordinary Time, the 21st of January. The first words and the last words that someone utters are usually words that we all want to record and hold on to, whether it be the words of a tiny child trying to speak for the first time or the final dying words of someone we love. We want to hold them in our memory and cherish those words. So the first and the last words of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ are similarly words that the Church from the beginning has prized and reflected upon. And because they are the words of God, they can never be exhausted in their meaning. The final words of Jesus upon the cross as he hung dying have had a very special significance. We refer to them as the seven last words of Christ. But in the Gospel of Mass today, we hear some of the first words that Jesus speaks as he begins his public ministry and calls his first disciples. Now, if you were to go out and take a straw poll of the average person on the street and ask them about what Catholics believe, you may get a variety of responses. For example, Catholics are those people who obey someone called the Pope, who have to have as many children as possible, and who don't eat meat on Friday. So in many people's minds, Catholicism is a kind of moral code or philosophy of life, but not much to do with the amazing, surprising God of the Bible. Christianity is, of course, a moral code, but at its heart and centre there is something much more awe-inspiring and radical. In the minds of contemporary man, religion is about being a good moral person. However, have critic, as critics have been pointing out for about the last 300 years, this reading of Christianity flies in the face of a plain reading of the New Testament. It presents a Christianity which is certainly easier to believe, but one that's maybe not worth believing, because it turns the Gospel into a mere faint echo of the prevailing culture. Anyone who is tempted to embrace a sort of rationalist reduction of Christianity is not going to handle what St Paul says in his letter to the Corinthians that we've just heard. This is a text dating from around the mid-50s of the first century, so older than any of the Gospels. I tell you, he says, our time is running out. From now on, those who have wives should live as though they had none. Those who are mourning as though they had nothing to mourn about. Those who are enjoying life should live as though they had nothing to laugh about. Do not become engrossed in the world, because the world as we know it is passing away. What can he mean? He means that relationships, even the most intense, between husbands and wives, material things, the world itself, all of these, at a basic level, should be let go of. Not in the literal sense, perhaps, but in the attitudinal sense, as though they were not important, to live as though even all those lovely things were not all defining, not the ultimate means of our happiness. This is what's meant by a discipleship costing not less than everything. And this is the crux of following Jesus.
ours isn't a religion of rewards in this life. It's a life of the cross. Jesus never said, follow me and I will give you a good time. He did say, follow me and you will share in the chalice of my suffering. And so Paul didn't trade in weak, moralising concepts. St Paul, in fact, has witnessed the resurrection, and that makes him see that the world as we know is passing away. All the things we know and value are the things we should let go of and not worry about anymore, because the world as we know is passing away. G.K. Chesterton said, The minute I was convinced that the world is not meant to make me perfectly happy, it began to make me truly happy. That's what St Paul is sensing. That's the new world breaking through that he speaks about. Bland spiritual recommendations and moralising can be had anywhere from any philosopher or life guru. What Christianity offers is a new world. With this in mind, the inaugural address of Jesus, the first words out of his mouth in the first gospel, tell us this is now the time of fulfilment. Time is running out. The new time is beginning, because the kingdom of God is close at hand. Oceans of ink have been spilt over this, but he means so much more than simply a new ethical or political arrangement. He means so much more than a new attitude of heart or mind. What he means is the breakthrough of a new world, God's new order, which is built upon Jesus himself and ultimately upon his resurrection from the dead. And the behavioural implication is clear. Repent and believe the gospel. It means not just a moral change, but a metanoia, a going beyond the mind that you have. And the consequence of that is believing in the gospel, believing something great. Rejoice that we have been called to something great like Jonah in the first reading, which goes on to tell us that he converted the whole of the city of Nineveh by his preaching. And that's got to be the greatest revival in history. The task of the church is precisely that, to announce Jesus Christ crucified and risen. When we do this, we will always be successful and others will always be brought to a change, a conversion, and follow Christ with us. And it was Mary's following of Christ that was perfect because it included pain and suffering along the way. When we look at her and ask her, she will obtain for us the desire and the courage to live with that same conviction. Let us pray. Almighty ever-living God, direct our actions according to your good pleasure, that in the name of your beloved Son, we may abound in good works through Christ our Lord. Amen.